listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go. It's going to be a great one today, man. We're going to be talking about uh, how to make 2021 the best financial year of your life. Um, By the way, uh, if you haven't taken a minute to share it, share it. We've got a brand new uh, Miracle Word University course that's getting ready to come out. We've been filming it uh, over the last few days. Divine Prosperity, Walking in Supernatural Financial Abundance. And uh, it's dropping on the 23rd. That's a Monday, the Monday of Thanksgiving week. And uh, I'm so pumped up to get this out to you guys because I do truly believe that 2021 can be the greatest financial year that you've ever had in the kingdom of God. Um, What's up, Kayla, Mary Jo, and Luenda? Love you guys. Jason. Oh, this is Tanya using Jason's account. Um, Theo invited Teddy over for an animal party. (laughs) Sounds good, but we've got, um, we've got this new course dropping and, um, I've just been meditating on this. I'm so expectant for the best year we've ever seen. And it's just been that way every year. Uh, your faith can define your future. You know, people don't realize that they think that they have to allow kind of life to fall where it falls. Let the chips fall where they may, as it were, but faith defines your future. In fact, those of you that are jumping on, um, pop that into the comment section, if you will, to start the day today. Faith defines your future. No question about it. And um, so today I thought one of the things that I wanted to do is we're kind of finishing this week where we're prepping uh, for 2021, kind of giving you the word, is that we want to talk about um, how to build wealth in the kingdom in 2021, how to have the best financial year that you've ever had. What's up, Lisa Lamb? Faith defines your future. Without question, it does. You can have what you say. You can have what the word of God says. And so we're going to be dealing with that today. Um, I ha- I'm encouraging you, man, get a hold of this course when it comes out. It's going to change your life. It's, it's something that pe- many won't talk about. Many will not teach it in churches. Uh, there is a persecution that goes along with standing for the word of God, but I'm just telling you, you do not want to miss this upcoming course. It's going to, uh, really stir your faith and open your eyes to things you may have never seen about the blessing of God before in your entire life. So it's dropping, uh, on the 23rd, which is the Monday before Thanksgiving and I'm pumped up. So today that's why we're going to take this today because we're believing Uh, for 2021, no matter what 2020 was like for you, believe in 2021 will be the best year that you've ever had in the history of your entire life. And I'm going to be talking about some things today uh, that will open your eyes as to how we can walk in that kind of blessing. You know, there's Christians, there are Christians who, um, as I said, I was teaching this yesterday, and one of the thoughts that I that I brought up was this. You know, there are objections to prosperity. Even Christians, they'll have 
objections to the prosperity message. And one of them that people use often is, uh, well, you know, you say God wants people to be blessed. You know, poverty is a curse. What do you say to all those poor Christians in other countries? What do you say to Christians who don't have money? Uh, what do you say? Is God cursing them? That's not, that's, that's an argument that's foolish. I'd say the same thing to them that I would say to any Christians that are sick. It's not God's will that you be sick. It's his will to heal you, but you have to receive healing by faith. And in the same way, it's not God's will that you be uh, impoverished or be without, or even be in a place where you don't have more than enough. That's not God's will, but it's not, it's not being said to condemn you. It's being said to stir your faith, to go higher to where God's called you to live. And so one of the things that I want you to hear today is that, uh, I don't want you to ever, uh, allow your theology to be defined by somebody else's story. And if you have never written that down before, I want you to write it down. My theology will not be defined by somebody else's story. There's my dad. Love you, dad. We are redeemed. That's right. Absolutely. And redemption is more than just uh, eternal life in heaven. There's an entire benefits package that goes along with redemption. And so don't ever allow your theology to be defined by somebody else's tragedy. My theology is not defined by someone's tragedy. Just because I saw something happen to someone else does not mean that it'll be my story. My theology, my life, my story is based upon the mighty word of God. This is the only thing that I'm going to allow to define my future. My theology will not be defined by somebody else's story. And not even my own personal experience will define my theology. It's going to be God's word and God's word alone. And so today we're going to look at some um, different principles in the word of God, make it the best year you've ever had. There's some very simple changes that people could make, very simple changes, and they are scriptural changes. There are scriptural changes that people could make, and it would bring them into financial increase, financial blessing. And so we want to talk about those and talk about the, the fact God has a wealthy place for every believer. One of the things that uh, we've been defining in the course that's getting ready to come out is I'm not trying to teach you or tell you that God wants to make every single believer a multi-multi-millionaire. That's not what prosperity is. Divine provision, divine prosperity is when God gives you more than enough, not to meet your needs, to accomplish your purpose and have overflow that's left at the end. I, I, I was teaching in the course and I made this analogy. Let's say just from a ministry standpoint, you know, you think about somebody like Reinhard Bonnke who has gone home to be with the Lord. You know, if Reinhard Bonnke had a crusade that he was setting up overseas that was going to cost him a million dollars to put that crusade on, that's what he's going to need to do what God's called him to do. But let's say, for example, I needed to put a crusade on that was going to cost $100,000, for example. Well, if when God moves for my ministry, let's say $140,000 came in uh, for what we were believing for, and then for Brother Bonke's uh, ministry, $1.4 million came in. We only needed a million. I only needed 100000 Both of us are walking 
in divine prosperity and provision. Why? Because we have more than enough, not just to meet our needs personally, but to accomplish our purpose in God and then have an abundance or more left over at the end. It's more than enough. One of the things that I want everybody to get in your spirit, in your heart, is that God does not just have a desire to meet your needs. God's desire is to take you into a place of abundance. Now I understand that that looks different for everybody, but it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be true for everybody. Just because it looks different for everybody doesn't mean it shouldn't be true for everybody. It's a place of abundance, a place of more than enough. You know, if you just thought about this logically, if we didn't walk in the more than enough, if we didn't walk in abundance, then we wouldn't even be able to do some of the things that God has asked us to do. For example, if, you, if you're one of those people that fall into the category of believing that really what God wants to do is meet your needs, well, if that's what you believe, that all God wants to do is meet your needs, then think about some of the things that he's commanded us to do that we wouldn't even be able to do if all he did was allow us to have our needs met. You know, bills are paid, and once the bills are paid, once the needs are met, food on the table, clothes on my back, uh, a roof over my head, there's nothing else there because all he wants to do is meet my needs. How would you tithe? How would you give offerings above and beyond your tithe, which Christians are required to do? Let me ask you this. How would you bless the poor? How would you have any money to be a blessing to your generation if all God did was meet your needs? See, God is not just interested in meeting your needs. He's interested in taking you into a place of more than enough, abundance, overflow. You see, that's God's plan. And when you look at even the nature of Jesus Christ, he would make, he would actually, uh, in his ministry, uh, have object lessons to show that he was a God of more than enough, not just enough, more than enough. Did you realize that in Jesus' ministry, he would contrast what people could do without him and his word versus what people could do with him and his word. It's a contrast. Without him, there's not enough. With him, there's more than enough. Christ. Look, for example, with me. Gospel of John, chapter 6. You know the story. It's the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 men, plus the women and children that were extra, with five loaves and two fish. Well, you know what the story says, that these people had come out into the wilderness to hear him teach, and he saw that a large crowd was coming toward him, verse 5, and he said, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to Philip to test him, for he already knew what he was about to do. Hallelujah. Jesus already knows what he's going to do for you. Nothing that's going on in the natural world is going to interrupt his plan. He doesn't have to go back to the drawing board. He doesn't need a plan B. He already knows what he's going to do to bless you. Look, Philip said we could never have enough. We could work for months. That's a poverty mindset. If we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough. Jesus didn't plan to wait months to bless these people that were coming to, toward him. He was going to bless them now. And look at this. 
told him to sit down. They brought him the five loaves and the two fish. And then I want you to see this, and this whole story is in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. Interesting here, they bring Jesus the five loaves and the two fish, and what happens? He has everybody sit down in an orderly fashion, and he blesses, prays, and begins to break the bread and break the fish and multiply them. Now, either God in heaven cannot count or doesn't know how much people can eat or he was proving a point. I want to say that again because I don't know if people have caught this uh, lesson before from John 6. Either God in heaven cannot count or he doesn't know or didn't know how hungry the people were or how much they could eat or he was proving a point about his nature. And I believe, obviously, it's number three. God can count and God knows all things. So he must have been proving a point about his nature and about his character. Because the Bible does not tell us then that Jesus just met their needs. He didn't multiply the bread and the fish until everybody had eaten enough to survive. Remember this. Remember this. If all Jesus was interested in was meeting people's needs, he would not have continued to multiply the bread and the fish until, look what happened. The Bible says, and when he was done, verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. Let me make that point. Get that. He distributed and kept on distributing and kept on multiplying until everybody in the crowd had as much as they wanted. Not only that, look at this. Keep on going. And when they had eaten their fill, wasn't like that late, late communion service on Sunday morning where the pastors kept you until two in the afternoon and the last thing on, on the day is communion and everybody's taking like six wafers and three juices because everybody's so starving. They're ready to get to the, they're ready to get to the, you ever been in a service like that? And now we're going to have communion. You're like just going in by the handfuls. <laughs> it's not one of those. Jesus kept on multiplying until what happened? They had all eaten all they wanted, eaten their fill, and the Bible says, and they wanted no more. They didn't even, because you know, eating has nothing to do with being hungry. Everybody on this broadcast knows you can eat when you're not hungry, and if something tastes good, you can keep eating beyond hunger. Amen. Thanksgiving Day is about to come up, and my mom and my wife are about to make some things that I love to eat, and I'm going to eat. I've been disciplined, and now. I've gone from fasting to feasting, and I'm telling you, I'm going to eat on Thanksgiving Day and the day after. Thanksgiving leftovers, there's nothing like it. Absolutely nothing like it. And so, eating doesn't have anything to do with hunger. Notice, he kept on multiplying until what happened? They had eaten all they wanted and wanted no more. Think about that. And then what happened? Well, if he was just a God of just enough or even a God that filled you to the full, which is what he did here, then in his supernatural power and supernatural knowledge, the, the loaves and the fish would have stopped multiplying 
at the moment, everybody had their fill. And I understand God knew when that was. God knew when that was. It didn't stop. Even after they had all eaten, they all were full. Guess what Jesus did? Kept on multiplying, kept on multiplying, kept on multiplying, kept on multiplying until look what happened. And the Bible says in verse 12, and when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. That's a great, that's a great passage right there. That nothing may be lost. What was, what's he trying to say? Number one, why were there leftovers? If all God wants to do is meet your needs, why, why was there an abundance? Why was there excess? And by the way, notice this, it wasn't waste. And Jesus made sure that it would not be waste. Because remember this and put it in the comments. Jesus is the author of excess, but he hates waste. Jesus is the author of excess, abundance, but he hates waste. He doesn't give you excess so that then it can be wasted. He gives you excess to be a blessing. Notice this. Gather up the fragments. And verse 13, so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets. You know, when you, when you hear that phrase, uh, you know, go out and gather up the fragments. You think there'd be like a little napkin full. Oh, there were some fragments left over. You know, we don't want to, we want to leave a place the way we found it. Here's a few napkins full of fragments. No, it's not that there were a few napkins full of fragments. There were 12 baskets full of leftovers, 12 baskets full. Why were there that many leftovers? It's because Jesus was, and I I really believe it's two reasons. Number one, Jesus was making a statement about his nature and character, who he was and what he does. And number two, the little boy had a harvest coming back to him. If you understand the law of seed time and harvest, do you honestly think Jesus would allow that little boy to sow five loaves and two fish. The boy gave them freely. They weren't, they didn't coerce, coerce him. Oh, there's a boy that's got food. Get it over here. We got to feed this crowd. No, he freely gave five loaves and two fish. Do you honestly think Jesus is going to let that little boy give five loaves and two fish to Christ and not bless him back? It's my personal opinion that the 12 baskets full belonged to the little boy. It was his seed. And that means it's his harvest. That's a scriptural principle. In the book of Galatians chapter six, the Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Glory to God. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Genesis 8, 22, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. So you understand, seeds produce harvest. That's why I believe that the leftovers, the 12 baskets full, went to the little boy. It was his own harvest because he released the seed. So you see that Jesus is making a point. I'm not just a God of enough. I'm not just a God of the full. I'm a God of more than enough. What did David say? In Psalm 23, the Bible says he prepares a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies, my cup overflows. Thank you, Jesus. My cup overflows. That's how God works, works in the overflow. Look at the story. Of course, I'm sure you know it. Luke chapter five, before Peter is even a disciple, Jesus steps into his boat. Please allow me to use this to teach the people. He pushes out a little bit, teaches the people. And when he's done, he says, now push out into the deep, let down your net for a catch. This is Luke chapter five. Peter said, well, Lord, I've fished all night. And by the way, he was a professional fisherman. Lord, I've fished all night, caught nothing. However, at your word, thank you, Jesus, at your word. And you know what's interesting to me? Look at what Jesus gave Peter. It was not just enough. It was not just enough. That's not who Jesus is. He's not a God of just enough. He's a God of more than enough. Look, look at what happened when Peter obeyed the word of Christ. At your word, I'll let down the nets. Verse 6, Luke 5, 6, and Luke 5, 7. And when they had done this, let down the nets, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. That's overflow. When you've got so much blessing coming in, you can't contain it all. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to contain. Glory to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. And his nets were breaking. Here's a great picture of what we're believing God for in 2021 is that I'll be so abundantly blessed that my friends, those around me, my loved ones, those that I minister to will actually experience the overflow of my personal blessing. Because notice what happened in verse 7. Verse 6 says, and their nets were breaking. Verse 7, and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they both began to sink. Catch, man, are you seeing this? He's not a God of just enough. Well, Peter, I know that you fished all night. We're not able to get anything. Let me get out there and give you, you know, a pretty good night's catch and just give you something to meet your needs for helping me out. No, I'm going to bless you so abundantly that your nets are going to begin to rip as you see the increase coming in. And then as you try to bring that harvest in, it'll be so much you'll need help to carry it. Hallelujah. I want you to put it in the comments. In 2021, I will need help to carry it. Put it in the comments. In 2021, I will need help to carry my blessing. Praise God, Zariah. So that's me even now before 2021. Thank you, Jesus. Put that in the comments. In 2021, I will need help to carry my blessing. It's going to be excess. It's going to be overflow. It's not just going to come on you. It's going to come upon you to the point of of, of more than enough where you are a blessing to others around you. (laughs) In 2021, I will need help to carry my blessing. I will need help to carry my blessing. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Put that in the comments and never forget it. 
I'll need help to carry my blessing. Look at that. I've actually already seen it. It's begun this past week. <laughs> That's right. Laban said it to Jacob. I've learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me because of you. There will be people that are blessed because of you in 2021 in Jesus' name. I mean, you could show it. I mean, they, Jesus kept doing this over and over and over and over until they knew that this was his nature. They knew that this is how he functions. And so they, once the disciples finally understood that this is his nature and this is how he operates, look what happened after his crucifixion and his resurrection. The Bible says, verse, uh, this is John 21, and I'll start reading with verse 2. Actually, verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Do you see it? They did not know that it was Jesus. Maddie, help me out on the comments. Make sure that they're current so I can see what people are saying. They didn't know it was Jesus. It looked, and he'd already been crucified and resurrected. It just looked like a man on the shore. But notice what happened. He said, children, do you have any fish? And they said, no. And he said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Still didn't know who he was. So they cast it and look at this. And now, this is verse six. Now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, that's the Lord. How did they, hold on a second, how did they know that was the Lord? Notice how they recognized him. They recognized him because of the fact his words brought overflowing provision. <laughs> Do you see it? His words brought overflowing provision. That's how they recognized him. They'd seen him do it his whole ministry. They'd seen him uh, put his nature and his power on display. They saw the provision time after time after time after time. And they began to come to know and realize Jesus is a provider. He brings more than enough. Hallelujah. And they didn't know it was him until his word produced overflow. And then they said, hold on, that's not a natural man. That's the Lord. And Peter got so excited that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment back on, jumped into the ocean, and swam back to the shore to see Jesus. Now, I love this, because as you go further, the Bible says, uh, when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place <laughs> with fish laid out on it and bread. Notice Jesus didn't have to fish. He had the fish. What if he, what if he was just, all he did was speak the fish into the frying pan <laughs> and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard. Look at this, hauled the net on the shore, full of large fish, 153 large fish. Come on. A hundred 
and 53 large fish. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. The reason that's written there is because it was an amazing thing. You know, if the nets were designed to hold that many large fish, there's no reason writing it down. There's no reason writing it down. And so the reason it was there is because it was a miracle of provision to be able. Because notice, like, like the story in Luke chapter 5, there was no other boat out there to help them bring the, bring the fish in, bring the catch in. And remember what I said before, God is the author of excess and abundance, but he hates waste. And so there was nobody else to help them. So what did he do in that instance? He empowered their net not to break. Hallelujah. He empowered their net not to break. And they were amazed that although there was such a catch of fish, that the net did not break. It didn't tear. And he said, come and have breakfast. <laughs> now look at this. I love this part right here. Look at, look at verse uh, 12. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Even in his resurrected state, they did not dare to ask him, who are you? Because they knew. How did they know? By the fruit of his word, by the fruit of his ministry, the excess, the overflow. Hallelujah. I want you to see it today is that God has for you a wealthy place. God has for you a wealthy place. I want to read to you uh, Psalm 66 and verse 12. Listen to this. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through water, but you brought us out into a wealthy place. Do you know what the Bible says in Psalm 112? The Bi and in fact, let's go there and read it because I know many people uh, don't keep this in their heart like they should. But let's, let's just read this for a moment. Praise the Lord, the Bible says. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who, greatly, or who fears the Lord and greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Look at verse 3. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. What changed from the Old Testament to the New? What about Jesus shedding his blood would make this verse change? It's what I don't get. Because, you know, pe people, you know, you read these Psalms and people go, well, brother, that's the Old Testament. That's Old Testament scripture. Well, now I'm asking you, what about Jesus shedding his blood and putting us into a better covenant established upon better promises would change this verse or make it defunct? All it says is people who greatly, who fear the Lord and greatly delight in his commands will have wealth and riches in their house. Why would that change once we came into a better covenant established upon better promises? doesn't change. I said it doesn't change. No. God has a plan to bring you into a wealthy place. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I feel this thing. We're going into 2021 with a supernatural anointing to prosper like we never have. 
glory to God, like we never have. It's going to be so supernatural, it'll blow the minds of those around you that see what God does in you. It's going to be supernatural. Thank you, Lord. Let me read this to you. Psalm 35 and verse 27. I want you to see this. God is all for you being supernaturally blessed in abundance, in overflow. Listen to this. Psalm 35, verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Is there anybody on the broadcast today watching or listening on the podcast that favors God's righteous cause? Is there anybody that you're for the cause of Christ? Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God, I mean, I don't know how people, religious people, think, you know, well, God, that, that's a wicked message. That prosperity message is a, a wicked message. You know, that, that's a greedy message. No, it's not a greedy message. If it was, why would the Bible say that God takes pleasure, takes pleasure in what? The prosperity of his servants. By the way, put it in the comments, prosperity is not a dirty word. Prosperity is not a dirty word. People try to change it around, use other words because they're afraid. And I know that there is a, uh, there's, there's a, um, you know, there's a pushback from the religious about that word. You know, they, they don't like that word. They hear it, they automatically turn off. I understand that, but it's not a dirty word. It's not a greedy word. If God instituted it, how can it be greedy? He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Here's your question you got to ask yourself today. Am I his servant? Because if you're a servant of God, he takes pleasure in your prosperity. I'm going to jump over real quickly to uh, 1 Timothy 6. Now I want you to go there with me. I'm going to give you some keys here in this upcoming year. I've never seen so much blessing as we're seeing this year. Never seen so much blessing, so much increase as we're seeing this year. It's, it's funny. It's like God's rubbing it right in the devil's face, right in his face. And... Um, I want to read to you 1 Timothy 6. Let me jump over to the back part. Let me give you 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 and 18. Blow your mind. The Bible says, As for the rich in this present age, 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 and 18. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or prideful, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. So there's a command for those that want to be blessed, those that are blessed. Don't put your hope 
in riches that are temporary. But who do we put our hope on? Put your hope on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. There to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and to be ready to share. Notice this. God gives us or richly provides us with everything. Why? To enjoy. I want you to put this in the comments section and don't forget it. God wants me to enjoy his blessing. Put it in the comments. God wants me to enjoy his blessing. Put it in the, I want you to write it because it's that important because we've, we've been taught this. We've been taught this, uh, you know, our whole lives, anybody that's been around a message, you know, you've just heard and what they push and 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 push is this. Well, you're blessed to be a blessing. You're, be- you're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed. When it comes to you, you got to give it to somebody else. Comes to you, give it to somebody else. And I want you to hear me. Although God does want you to be a blessing, as we just saw in the 18th verse, notice God wants you to be able to enjoy his blessing. Let's go back for a second and look at God's original intention at creation. There was nobody for Adam and Eve to bless. (laughs) It was just them, by the way. Does that mean God didn't give them provision, excess, and abundance because there was no one else to bless? See, because if the main purpose of God blessing you was for you to bless somebody else, then if there's no one else to bless, why would he bless you? Let me say that again slowly because the logic has to be there in your mind. If the main purpose of God blessing you was for you to bless somebody else, then if there was no one else to bless, why would God have blessed Adam and Eve the way that he did? God's original intention is to bring prosperity, overflow, and abundance to his children because he loves them. That's number one. That is the baseline. That is the number one reason God blesses his children. He blesses you because he loves you. That's it. What did Jesus teach about the heavenly father in Matthew chapter seven? He said, you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. Which of you, if your child asked you for a a loaf of bread, would you give them a stone? Or if they asked you for a fish, would you give them a serpent? And your heavenly father, who's obviously much greater, knows how to give good gifts to those that ask him. He's showing you the nature of God. He's showing you. I make this all the time so people can hear it. Christmas is not going to come around and me buy my kids a bunch of presents. And then after they've opened 20 of their presents, say, now you've got those presents. Now you get out there into the neighborhood and start giving those presents to other children because you are blessed to be a blessing. No, that is not why I bought them presents. At Christmas time. It's not why I bless them on their birthday. It's not why I do that. I love them as their father. I want to see them blessed. It makes me happy to see them blessed. Makes me happy to see my children blessed. Makes you happy to see your children blessed. And God, who is the perfect version of a father, it makes him happy. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. It makes God happy to watch you in abundance. Hallelujah. Put that in the comments. 
It makes God happy to see me in abundance. It makes God happy to see me in abundance. What do you think? It brings God a glory when you are in poverty. How does any man of God take a vow of poverty? What a stupid, stupid thing to do. What a stupid thing to do. It doesn't make God happy to see you in poverty. It doesn't make you more holy to be in poverty. You know how I know? If you looked at Acts 20, 35, you know what the Bible would say? It, as Jesus, the, the Lord and Savior said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let me, let me pull that up in the Amplified. Let me read it to you. It is more blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> I want you to see it. Look at this. In everything I've pointed out to you by example, that by working diligently in this matter, we ought to assist the weak, being mindful of the words that the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed, makes one happier, and more to be envied to give than to receive. You're not in position to give anything if you're in poverty. You can't be a blessing to your generation. How do you think being in poverty or not having enough makes God happy? How do you even think that it brings God glory? It doesn't. That's Acts 20, 35. It doesn't bring God any kind of glory, doesn't make him happy to see people in poverty. Let me say this. If it did bring God pleasure, if it did show his holiness, then we would never be instructed to bless the poor. I wish people, these religious people that preach erroneous things about scripture would just have a logical thinking brain. Because if you did, you would put these things together in your mind. If poverty brought God glory, if poverty made God happy or even made you holier and drew you closer to him, then why would God instruct us to bless the poor? And why does God in the Bible never give poverty as a reward for obedience? Why is God's reward for obedience to his men in the Bible abundance? Explain that. Because he's not a God of poverty. He's not a God that just meets your needs. He's a God of the overflow of the more than enough. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. God takes pleasure, pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Pleasure makes him happy. In the same way it makes you happy to bless your kids, it makes God very happy to bless his children. Very, very happy. Hallelujah. You know, it's like you always hear somebody with some stupid colloquialism. Well, brother, you know, money can't buy happiness. Yeah, you're right, it can't. But you know what? Poverty can't buy anything. Money can't buy happiness, but poverty can't buy anything. Did you ever notice there are no homeless people buying other homeless people homes? You know why? Because if they could, they'd buy themselves one. <laughs> you got to be blessed first. And God does not bless you first so that you can be a blessing. He blesses you first because he loves you. 
Do you think I want to see my kids be a blessing to their generation? Of course I do. Of course I do. But let me tell you something. It's not the reason I bless them first. Reason I bless them is because I love them. Amen. The reason I bless them is because I love them. So let me talk about this because I told you today we're going to give you keys to uh, walking in wealth and making 2021 the best year you've ever had. And uh, so let me give you a few keys. You have to have your priorities in line. You have to have your priorities in line if you want to walk in prosperity. In fact, put this in the comments. Prosperity is never an accident. And it's never random. Prosperity is never an accident. And it's never random. Prosperity is never an accident and it's never random. It comes because of faithfulness and dedication to the right things, to God's things, his own principles. So let me break a few of these down for you so that you know. You've got to be a tither, number one. If you don't tithe, start today. You've got to be a tither. Tithing is a pure test of your heart. Don't tell me that you're sold out to God. Don't tell me, I'm sold out to God. I'm a child of God, sold out. And you won't even give 10% of your income to God. I don't believe you. No, I don't believe you at all. Well, I'm, a, I'm sold out to God. Oh, do you tithe? Well, no, I don't, I don't tithe. Why not? Thought you were sold out to God. Don't tell me that you're sold out and that you're, a, I'm for the kingdom, brother, and you don't even tithe. If you're not a tither, you'll be a beggar. You can't serve God and money. That's why no matter how blessed you ever get, the tithing principle never goes away. The giving principle never goes away because it's a constant test of your heart. It's a constant test of your heart. You'll never tithe on a million dollars if you won't tithe on $10. Amen. You'll never tithe on a million dollars. Why would God bless you with a million if he can't even bless you with 10? Amen. Let me read this to you from Luke chapter 16, verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. Luke 16, 10. The one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you've not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? You see that? There's the point right there from scripture. If you're dishonest with a little, you'll be dishonest with a lot. But if you're honest, if you're faithful over a little, you'll be honest with a lot. You got to be a tither, number one. Number two, you got to be a giver. You better prioritize your giving. See, we plan everything else. You've got to plan your giving. I'm right now making plans to sow the largest seed I've ever sown before the new year comes in. Why? Preparing myself for 2021. Getting seed in the ground ahead of time. It's exactly what I'm doing. Getting seed in the ground ahead of time. Because I know 2021 is going to be my greatest year of increase that I've ever seen in the history of my Christian life. So I'm not just a tither, I'm a giver. God does not multiply your tithe, he multiplies your seed. Just in case you didn't know that. Tithing's a test. The seed is what God multiplies. The tithing's not a seed. You don't, 
You don't give your tithes, you pay them. You pay them. I pay my tithes, I give my offerings. He multiplies the seed, he does not multiply the tithe. There's a big difference between tithing and seed sowing. Big difference. Be a giver. Then let me give this, because there are people that are givers and they don't understand why they're still cursed. They don't understand, not cursed, but they don't understand why they, they don't have enough. Well, we give, I don't understand. No. A tithe does not count as an offering, Eva. You've not given any offering until you've paid your tithes. I want you to put that in the comments because people don't talk about this. You've not given any offerings until you've paid your tithes. You know, people say, last year we gave 7% of our income to God. You didn't give God anything. You actually robbed him of 3%. <laughs> I smile because I know people don't, they don't talk about this. And this people have never heard this stuff before. Last year we gave 8%. Well, you know what, brother, I tithe 6%. You don't, you don't get to choose what the percent. Tithe means 10th. Tithe actually by definition means 10%. You don't get to choose what God asked for. You've not paid any, you've not given any offerings until you've paid your tithes. So if you go back and you haven't given 10% of your income to God, uh, then you, you've not given any offerings to God. And in fact, you've robbed God. Nothing about Jesus' blood being shed on the cross changed the tithe. It was around before the law of Moses. It was around after the law of Moses. Read Hebrews 7. There were still people paying tithes on the earth in Hebrews 7. They referenced it. They referenced it. Men here receive tithes, but there he receives them, Jesus. It was around before the law. Abraham tithed, Jacob tithed. There's always been something, by the way, God reserved for himself. Was Adam, did Adam and Eve have the ability to eat of everything in the garden, or did God reserve trees unto himself? There were trees that they couldn't touch. Was Noah allowed to consume all the animals on the ark for himself, or were certain animals reserved for God that when he got off the ark in an empty world that had no animals left that needed repopulation, did Noah get to use all of the animals for himself and for multiplication, or did he have to reserve some for God for an offering and sacrifice? There's always been things reserved for God from the beginning of time until now. It's a test of your heart. Until you've paid your tithes, you've not given any offerings, none. And there's nothing for God to multiply, nothing. He doesn't multiply tithes, he multiplies seeds. But here's the thing, there's also wisdom involved. Stewardship is involved. That's why I'm telling you guys, you need to get this course that's coming out. It's gonna blow your mind and give you things about divine prosperity that maybe you've never heard, never seen. It's coming to 1123, 23rd of November, we're dropping the course and you need to get in on it. I'm just telling you right now, it's gonna blow your mind to see what God has prepared for you. But it takes wisdom. Why are some people givers and they're still not blessed? Because they make foolish decisions with their money. Do you know what the Bible says? A fool spends all that he has. You know when some people got their tax return back, all new sunglasses, all new shoes, all new clothes, all new tech devices. You can just say, oh, so-and-so got their tax return. A fool spends all that he has. Stewardship is key. God expects you to steward what he puts in your hand. If you're faithful over a little, I will make you ruler over much. Read the principle, Matthew 25, stewardship principle. 
If you're faithful over little, I'll make you ruler over much. Uh, Let me give you a couple of these because I know people don't talk about this often, but it does need to be talked about. Um, Let me deal with really quickly with Proverbs 13. Because I want to see you blessed in this new year. Proverbs 13, 11. Listen to what the Bible says. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. What's the principle here? Is that people who have a bunch of wealth dumped on them, they will not steward it properly. Just do a study on people that won the lottery and see what happens to their lives. Just do a quick study. People that won the Powerball or whatever. They're addicted to drugs. Their family won't speak to them. They end up going bankrupt. They lose what they have. Why? Because they didn't gain what they got by stewardship or by wisdom or by faithfulness. They got it by luck and their character can't keep them there. But people who continually grow, continually grow, they steward it properly. It's why they keep growing. And the Bible says they will increase it and increase it and increase it and increase it. Stewardship is key. A fool spends all that he has. You should not be spending everything that comes into your hand. If you don't have any kind of savings, you need to get savings. And one of the things that keeps people out of God's blessing for their lives is debt. Let me deal with this debt principle quickly. Debt. And here's where people don't prioritize in their life when it comes to debt. The majority, Nick Greenwald, if you're still on, you can give me those statistics again. But the majority of Americans are in debt. The majority of Americans have heavy credit card debt, student loan debt, all kinds of stuff they can't pay for because we've been lied to. And we feel like we have to buy everything everyone else has or we're not doing, we're not doing uh, well. If I don't have what everybody else has, I'm not doing well. And I'll spend money I don't have to get the things everybody else has so that I can be viewed as doing well like everybody else. That's just pride. That's why it goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Debt will keep you. It'll keep you from being blessed. I tweeted something out, which Tiffany, I do want you to make a graphic on for. I tweeted something earlier on the way to the studio that said, um, it was, it was a message to young people. Owning is better than owing. Owning is better than owing. Put it in the comments. Owning is better than owing. People say cash is king. No, Jesus is king, but cash is a tool. Owning is better than owing. And debt makes you a slave. Debt makes you a slave. And if you didn't see that, you can go on Twitter. We'll put it later. We'll give you a graphic to put on your uh, Instagram or whatever. But um, go to Proverbs 22. Let me read this to you. Proverbs 22, the Bible says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a slave, a slave to the lender. Debt makes you a slave. And if you think it doesn't, try to stop paying your mortgage for a while. Well, I don't have, I'm not a slave to that. Stop paying it for, for a couple of months. See what happens. Stop paying your credit cards. Stop paying stuff. See what happens. They'll come and start taking your stuff away. 
You're a slave. Owning is better than owing. See, that's why, you know, people make fun of him. You know, there's, there's, I've heard prosperity preachers even mock, uh, this way of thinking, but there's a reason that I appreciate, uh, Dave Ramsey. If you don't know who he is, he's a, uh, a financial guy. He's a Christian. He is a Christian and he uh, operates on biblical principles. He even encourages people to continue their tithing as they're getting out of debt. But I appreciate those wisdom principles from the Bible that he teaches that have helped thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people get out of debt and start to build wealth in the kingdom of God. But he has, if you've never seen it, he has a seven step process to building wealth. He calls it the baby steps. But one of the things is right at the beginning is to start getting out of debt as quickly as you can. Why? Because he understands from the word of God, debt makes you a slave. The reason, and I was looking at, at my friend, Pastor Jordan Work, I was rejoicing with him. Uh, we were just up at his church in Montana. I was giving God praise on his behalf. It wasn't even my miracle, it's his miracle. But now his whole church is debt free, his whole church building, they owe nothing. They owe nothing. And he's, he's not, not an old man, he's a young man. Think about that as a young pastor to be completely debt free on your building, your church building, their church is debt free. Now, let me tell you something. He's no longer a slave to the lender. Thank you, Jesus. Now owning better than owing, you've got, uh, you're sitting on that blessing that God's put in your hand. See, here's the problem. Most people, because of pride, it's truly pride. <laughs> I love how Dave Ramsey says it. We, we buy things we can't afford with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. We buy things we can't afford with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. And it's pride. That's all it is. It is truly pride. People aren't willing to save the money to buy the thing they want. They would rather just buy it, pay for it later. You've got that Renaissance style thinking that's going through the church, you know, or instead of, you know, p paying $300 for an Xbox, people end up paying $800 for it because of the interest and the Renaissance style purchases. And, and that's not God's plan. You shall lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. I don't think it's wrong, Joshua. I think God can empower you. To buy, to buy things cash. I don't think it's wrong. I think you just start to understand from the Bible what you're getting into. You start to understand what you're getting into. The Bible doesn't vilify you for that. It just is giving you wisdom and showing you that if you're going to enter into the kind of a transaction where you're the borrower, just know ahead of time you're a slave to the lender. See, the Bible tells us that. And so we know it going in, you know, it going in, but let me tell you something. It's one thing to take out a loan for a house. It's another thing to go out and buy all these things to impress people on a credit card that you could save money for. <laughs> Absolutely. Wilson's asking the question in the comments, if God does not multiply the tithe, what is the blessing that comes by tithing according to Malachi 3.10? You didn't read all of that passage, Wilson. 
Because notice what he said to the people in Malachi 3.10. It's not that you just robbed me in tithes. Look at what the Lord said to his people. They said, where, where have we robbed you? Where have we, we robbed you? Look at the context. He said, you've robbed me. Will a man rob God? Verse eight, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and your offerings. In your tithes and your offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you're robbing me. The whole nation's robbing me. You see? So in context, it's not just tithes, it's tithes and offerings. But God can't bless you if you don't tithe. But I want you to hear this. Because one, and this is, this, this doesn't seem very revelatory or very, very spiritual, but it's what's holding the majority of Christians back in this nation is that, and I don't know if Nick's on today, but somebody could do a Google search because I don't know it uh, off the top of my head. But what's the percentage of Americans that are in credit card debt? And you would see it's a large percentage. But the key being is that you've got to work. That's why I really appreciate uh, what, what Dave teaches is because, you know, as he's teaching that, he's teaching there's nothing more important you know, he tells you in step one that really you should have a small emergency fund because you don't want to throw your whole life off kilter while you're paying off debt by, by having something happen. You need new tires on the car, you know, your, uh, uh, your, your garbage disposal goes, whatever it might be, and you've got to get a new one, but now you've got to go back into debt to buy it. So he tells people to put $1,000 aside as quickly as possible, sell what you got to sell, yard sale, whatever you got to do, get $1,000 aside. But then you know what I appreciate about him is step two on the whole thing is to literally pay that debt off. Make that your priority. I'm not spending extra money on this, 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 and this. I'm focusing it all on getting out of debt. Lindsay said, I got out of, I got debt free in like four to five years from Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. Changed my whole life. It's not wrong to use a credit card to establish good credit. No, Christina. It's not. But what I'm telling you is, you know, you can use a credit card as a tool. We do it. We use credit cards as a tool. Absolutely. Now there's entire ministry trips that we can take where we don't pay anything for the flights because we can, we have the points because we use it as a tool. We can book the, the ministry trips and the flights, be a blessing to the churches. People don't even know. We don't put any weight. We don't put any pressure on churches we go to. For those of you, or sorry, four to five years ago, got debt-free in three months. Look at that. It was four to five years ago, she said, but she got debt-free in three months. But people that don't know this, you know, they, uh, those of you that are partners, if I've never told you this, we put no pressure on the churches we go to. We don't ask them to buy our flights. We don't ask them to book our hotels. We don't ask them to buy our food. We're blessed to be a blessing. So what do we do? We go there with no pressure on the churches. We book our own flights. We pay for our own hotels. We pay our travel, our expenses, everything. Everything. But, you know, you use those things as a tool, and then guess what happens? Then you got trips come up. You can book flights. You can book hotels. and don't have to pay anything because you've been using it as a tool, paying it off every month. You see what I mean? So you can use those things as a tool. Nothing wrong with it. You don't want to become a slave to it is the point. Don't want to become a slave to it. And so let me encourage you. If you are in debt currently... I would encourage you to do everything you can, knowing this biblical principle, because it's the main thing 
that keeps people back from being blessed in America is that we have this mindset that we have to impress everybody. We got to buy every new thing. We got to do every new thing so we can see, be seen by men. Don't have to do that. Throw everything you've got. Be disciplined. The diligent will be blessed. The discipline will be blessed, the Bible says. Consider the ant thou sluggard. Let me go to that passage and, and just show you this quickly before I pray. Because I'm telling you, we're preparing ourselves for the best year we've ever had. And it's going to take some practical obedience to get there. Listen to this. Proverbs 6 and verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, any officer, any ruler, she prepares her bread in summer, gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, sluggard? How long? When will you arise from sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Poverty will come on you like a robber, want like an armed man. What, what's the writer of Proverbs here telling us about the ant? N nobody's got to go tell them, go get to work, get to work, do what you're supposed to do, do what you're supposed to do. They know what they're supposed to do, and by discipline and dedication, they just do it. They just do it. You shouldn't have to have somebody pushing you, prodding you. You shouldn't have to hit a crisis situation to get to the place where you start doing things the proper way. And so let me encourage you, if nobody's encouraged you this year to be debt-free, to get out of debt ASAP, you're, you're, the, the ministry you're watching right now is a debt-free ministry, absolutely debt-free. Our ministry owes no man anything, no man, nothing. Every piece of equipment we own, this place we're in now, everything, we don't owe anybody anything. It's debt-free, totally debt-free. And it'll stay that way for the rest of our lives until Jesus comes. We will have no debts. We will have no debts in Jesus' name. We will have no debts. That's the principle you've got to operate by and push towards. But if you have them, if you currently have them, push everything. Work towards it. Say, I'm not going to be a slave. I refuse to be a slave to the lender. Because here's what begins to happen. When you get out of that, and now you're in the clear, and you begin to walk debt free, and you're in a place where you owe no man anything save the gospel, You watch and see what God can use you to do then. Can you imagine? I mean, I want you to just stop. If you've got to close your eyes, close your eyes. But just stop and think to yourself, imagine what it would feel like. Imagine what it would feel like to know I've got no car payment. I have no credit card payment. I've got no house payment. I, you know, you go to look at bills. There are, there are no debts hanging over your head. Nothing that you owe. Nothing. I have no student loan debt. You know, we've gotten so used to those things hanging over our heads, we've just counted it as a part of life. Well, you know, we'll always have debt. I've heard that said before. I've heard it said multiple times. Well, you know, you'll always have debt in life. It's just the kind of debt you have. That's, that's not true, and that doesn't have to be true. You know, we'll always have debt. You know, they're all, I'll always have a car payment. That's not true. You don't always have to have a car payment. You can pay cash. Stephen Michaela, my cousin Michaela and her husband Stephen Herbert, Michaela and I have been debt-free for five years. It's liberating. It is liberating. It's absolutely liberating because it's God's plan for his people to be debt-free. You'll lend and you will not borrow. You'll lend and you will not borrow. Amen. And so I want to encourage you. I mean, literally, if you want something practical that you can grab 
as you're going through this process, some things you can study practically, look into Dave Ramsey's stuff. I'll tell you, he has a great book called The Total Money Makeover. If you've never gotten a hold of that, get a hold of it. It will, as Lindsay said, it's changed many people's lives. The Total Money Makeover. And the reason I like him is because he's a Christian man, operates on biblical principles. I've never heard him tell somebody that while they're in debt to get out of debt, pause their tithing. I've never heard him say that. I've heard him say the opposite. Don't pause your tithing to get out of debt. And so if you've never gotten something like the total money makeover, invest 20 bucks in a book that'll give you the understanding. He even has a book called The Complete Guide to Money. Get those two books and let your life be changed. It's all it takes is discipline and self-control is a fruit of the spirit. That's not a self-help gospel. It's a fruit of the Holy Ghost. I remember as I was growing up, my father being so um, adamant about that, being debt-free, staying debt-free. I thank God I grew up in a home where my father was adamant about stewardship. My father operates from a principle called ABC, always be cutting. Always be cutting. My father is a steward's steward where he operates on the highest level of efficiency. He will not allow waste in his life or ministry. That's why he's blessed. He always is cutting out what's unnecessary. That's wisdom and that is stewardship. Always be cutting. If it's, if it's, if it's excess, if it's, it's weight just hanging around, stuff just cutting. Always be cutting. I've sat with him many times, and here's how I was able to, I trimmed the budget. I've heard that phrase. Dad, if you're watching, you know I've heard it. I've heard that phrase many times from my father. I was able to trim the budget. He'll pull out a pad just like this one, except yellow and much bigger. And he'll pull out a pen, and he'll say, I was able to trim the budget. Boom. Write it down. Knows what he's looking at. Knows what... Uh, he's paying, knows where, you know, it's, it's funny, Dave Ramsey says this. <laughs> if you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. <laughs> and that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Put it in the comments. If I don't tell my money where to go, I'll wonder where it went. If I don't, it has a way of just escaping you. <laughs> has a way of escaping you. If I don't tell my money where to go, I will wonder where it went. And my father sat down. He'll say, I was able to trim the budget, dot, 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 say what it is. You see what I mean? And so the key becomes knowing. You count the cost, the Bible says. You count the cost. You don't start a project, the Bible says, without first counting the cost. You know why the Bible says that if you read it in, in context? So that you don't begin the project and then realize I didn't actually have the money to complete this project. And then the Bible says people will mock you for your lack of planning. Before you begin a project, you count the cost. You know what it's going to cost. You know what you're going to need. You know what it's going to take. And see, people don't use natural wisdom. One of the biggest mistakes people make in the word of faith, charismatic, Pentecostal movement is they get this whole mindset like, well, God, God's just going to make it all work. You know, I, I believe God's just going to work a miracle. I just believe God's going to do it. God does not continue to bless people who spit on wisdom. 
God's not going to continue to bless people who spit on wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing, the Bible says. Wisdom is the principal thing. You know, when you use wisdom, there's a supernatural blessing that comes upon people that will simply use wisdom. Blows your mind. Wisdom will bring riches. In fact, let me find that scripture because I didn't write it down today and I meant to. And I want you to be able to highlight it. Listen to this. Go to Proverbs chapter 3. Now I'm getting ready to pray for you here. But I want you to confess it in the comment section. 2021 is going to be the greatest financial year of my life. 2021 will be the greatest financial year of my life. And if you get this course that's coming out, I'm going to list like nine keys to walking in divine prosperity as nine separate videos within the course. You're not going to want to miss nine keys. I'm just kind of giving you a taste today, but we're going in depth in the course. There's going to be like nine keys to supernatural prosperity that the Bible requires. There are requirements in the scripture to be blessed. But look with me at Proverbs chapter three. I'll start reading with verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit is better than gold. She's more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can compare to her. Talking about wisdom. Verse 16, long life is in her right hand and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. That all comes from wisdom. That's Proverbs 3 verses 13 through 17. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Listen to that, verses 16 and 17 again. Long life is in her right hand. If you live in wisdom, it grants you long life. Think about that. If I live in wisdom, it'll grant me long life. What does the Bible say that wisdom is? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In her left hand are riches and honor. That's verses 16 and 17. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Hallelujah. Wisdom. Don't do, and I know this sounds so general, but don't do dumb things with your finances. Don't allow pride to drive you. Don't allow comparison to drive you. Well, so-and-so got it, and so I need to get it. So-and-so did this, I need to do it. Owning is better than owing. Trust me on that. Owning is better than owing. Don't be driven by pride. Don't be driven by comparison. The Bible says when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're unwise. Don't do foolish things with your money. A fool spends all that he has. Amen. 
That's why you first, you build that emergency fund and then you start hitting that debt so that you're not being charged interest through the nose on the money that you've spent to impress people you don't even like. And I understand sometimes it's because there's a crisis, you didn't have the money, something happened, there was a bill, there was a medical bill, something like that. I, I know that, I get it, I get it. But the Lord will help you, he'll bless you. And if you'll use wisdom and you'll be dedicated to this and you'll continue to sow, don't pause your tithing and sowing. Don't do that. God brought Carolyn and I out of, when we were first married, we had all this debt, credit card debt. We never stopped sowing large seeds. We never stopped tithing. And the blessing of God came upon us. And in less than two years, it was like 18 months, we were totally out of all credit card debt. God did it. God did it. And Lindsay's mentioning that on Facebook, the debt snowball pattern that Dave Ramsey teaches. You line your debts up from the smallest amount or balance to the largest and start taking them out one by one. You pay the minimum payment on all the other ones and you just hammer the principal on that little one till it's gone. And then you just keep moving on till they're all gone. God will help you with it. God will help you with it. And you'll be abundantly blessed. You'll be abundantly blessed. You'll be debt free. Imagine 2021 is your year of being debt free supernaturally. You get to the, uh, you probably, God will, I guarantee you, God will do it quicker than you think he would because he can do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. Just telling you, get ready for the very best days you've ever seen in 2021. Hallelujah. I felt this so strongly. And that's when we started recording, recording this, this course. I realize and recognize that as we're getting ready to run with momentum in this new year, hallelujah, that this is going to be a resource that helps people immensely. It's going to help you immensely. And so I want to encourage you to grab it. It comes out on the 23rd, um, and we make these courses super cheap. It's only $69 for all of this teaching that we're getting ready to release. You're going to love it. And it's going to build your faith. It's going to give you wisdom. It's going to help you to walk in divine overflow and blessing. It's going to be supernatural. And so I'm going to encourage you to do it. I want to pray for those of you that are watching today before we go. Time flies when you're having fun. It's 1150 already. Let me pray for those of you that are watching because I'm, I'm believing God for debt-free living for every one of you that you'll continue to build wealth in the kingdom of God and be pillars of generosity in the body of Christ. Pillars of generosity in the body of Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that wisdom brings us into riches and wisdom is obedience to your word. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so Lord, give us a hunger and a desire to obey your word like we never have, to operate in these principles of wisdom from the word and to stand in a place of freedom from debt, to begin to build wealth in the kingdom, be pillars of generosity, to push your gospel forward before it's too late, before Jesus comes, to see souls saved in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And I pray now by the power of your spirit that you would put the largest seeds in our hand, that we've ever sown. Put the largest seeds in our hand this year that we've ever sown to get seed into the ground, harvest coming back in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you and we give you praise. Amen. It's good to have the faithful people on today. I understand when you start talking about finances, people stay away by the tens in this case. But I'm encouraging you. Those of you that are watching, some of you, the Lord's already been dealing with you to sow a seed. I want to encourage you to sow that seed today. Sow a seed by faith and watch as God blesses you. Put yourself in position now.
to see the blessing of God come upon your family and watch that harvest come back. Blows my mind. We've gotten so many, love you too, we've gotten so many testimonies of increase coming back this year, this year of 2020, violent increase in expedited favor. We had so many testimonies of increase come back. People's had debts paid off. We've had people, their income has tripled. We've seen all kinds of things, supernatural things happen. Contracts that they weren't supposed to get, they got them. And it's not over. We've got a month and a half left of violent increase, expedited favor. And so I want to encourage you, get your seed in the ground by the power of the Holy Ghost and expect a mighty harvest as you sow that seed. Amen. And so let me encourage you, look at the information on the screen. Easiest place to sow, miracleword.com. You can sow your seed right there on the give page. There's multiple ways that you can sow a seed. Cash app, Venmo, PayPal, hashtag donate if you're in Periscope, Twitter, or Facebook. If you're on YouTube, you can't use it there. They don't allow it. But you can always go to miracleword.com. Let me encourage you to partner with this ministry. If you've not partnered with us before in the past, before this year comes to an end, take a step of faith. And stand with us in partnership and believe God for increase in your own personal life and ministry. And watch what God will do. We've been praying that God will attach people to us that will stand at $85 a month or more. And believe God to see this generation change before it's too late. For everybody that's doing it in the month of November, giving you this book by my friend Pastor Joel Stockstill, Power of Daily Bible Reading. And this book will blow your mind. It gives you an understanding. I don't think people understand how important it is to keep the Word of God in their spirit every single day. This book will bless you. Definitely bless you. And then, of course, for those that are sowing largely, we're going to also throw into that the limited edition Further Faster hardcover, Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible, and I'm going to give you a hug when I see you. Maybe even buy you an ice cream cone. For those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we say we love and appreciate you. Thank you so much for believing in and standing with this ministry. We're praying for you and your families as well, those that are standing with us. We love you a lot. We really do. Don't forget the new course, once again, November 23rd, Divine Prosperity. It's coming out. I'm so excited about it. We're filming it now. It's going to be live in Miracle Word University. Let me encourage you, if you've never checked it out, go to MiracleWordU.com. Check out all the courses we have. They will be a massive blessing to you. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm pumped about this one. It's the best one we've ever released. It's going to be so good. Um, also, don't forget, every month we have brand new content for your children at uh, MiracleWordKids.com. And there's a new Bible reading mission for the month of November on Thanksgiving and Praise. All the resources are free. All you've got to do is accept the mission, fill out the small form. We will send you everything at no cost to you. And uh, if you've not gotten a chance to do this, my, my wife has dropped a brand new devotional. If you don't have a copy of it, if it's not in your hands, Lines, the new devotional by uh, Carolyn, is out on ebook. It's out in paperback. You can get it on Amazon Kindle, Apple Books. It's how to create, how with confessions that create boundaries your enemy cannot cross. And we've had so many good reports come back from this. Ladies are doing it uh, in small groups at their churches. Uh, it'll build your faith. It'll give you the understanding of the power of confession and declaration. And uh, grab a copy. Grab a copy for somebody else as well. I love you guys. I do feel as though today, before we go into the weekend, 
You need to burn some of those calories in a holy way with something that we like to call believer size. I love you so much. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.